Mate, did we watch a thing this week? Yeah, we did. Hello, everybody, and welcome to We Watched a Thing. You got your boy, Billy, and... I'm glad you didn't say your boy, because I did not respond to that. Because <laughs> you're not your boy. I'm your boy. It's... Oh, be whiter. <laughs> I am pretty white, but I'm pretty fly for a white guy. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> How you doing anyway, buddy? I'm all right, thanks. Yeah? I'm, um, we're kind of on point with where we're recording, aren't we? I can, I can barely see you. <laughs> we are in a almost pitch black room with zero furniture. It does feel a little crow-like, doesn't it? And yes, it does fit the mood, because what are we talking about this week? We have a, pat- a request via the Patreon. That's right. Every, every patron at $10 or more gets to request one movie every couple of months. And uh, what did our friend want us to watch this week? We've got a 90s cult classic in The Crow. That's right, which you had seen, and I hadn't. So I was excited to watch it. Yeah, feature film debut of Australian director Alex Proyas, friend of the podcast, um, <laughs> yes. who also who also made the excellent Dark City in the 90s. Yes, and then made the less excellent iRobot. Also made Gods of Egypt in 2016. <laughs> That's right. Woof. <laughs> yeah. I say, I say not having seen Gods of Egypt, but- I haven't seen it, but- I, From all reports. Yeah. And he was previously a music video director, which a lot of great directors start out that way. The Fincher Method- Yes. You might call it. (laughs) Yes. The Crow is a 1994 American supernatural superhero film directed by, as we said, Alex Proyas, written by David J. Shaw and John Shirley, stars Brandon Lee in his final film appearance, as pretty much everyone knows. Also stars Ernie Hudson and Michael Wincott, and it's based on the 1989 comic book series by James O. Barr. Yeah, comic book film before comic book films were a thing. I mean, this came after Burton's Batman. After Batman, yep. And in fact, after Batman, you found a lot of studios like buying up lesser known kind of comic properties because they were cheap and Batman had kind of become a thing. So I don't think we would have got this without that happening. But yeah, R-rated, which must have been one of the first ones. Surely. I mean, people rave about Deadpool. You were beat by like 24 years. Johnny come lately. So you had seen this before. How long had it been? Yeah, it's definitely been a while since I'd seen it. This was a film where- I kind of initially saw it after all the cool kids. And and by cool kids, I don't mean the popular kids at school. Yeah. I mean the kids that I wanted to be at school. Yeah, like right. Like for a while, I'm I'm sure that for a while I was representing that I'd seen the film when I hadn't. Yeah. Like I'm sure that would have happened. Were you at any stage a goth? Were you a goth kid? No, nah, I wasn't. No? I was way too boring. Because <laughs> this is one of those films- It's. It's hard to separate and watch on its own on the basis of two things. One, obviously, is Brandon Lee's death because everybody knows about it. And honestly, it's one of those things it's hard to say whether this film would have become a cult classic had that not happened. The second thing is the fan base. I remember at school those kind of kids who were into The Crow and, you know, it was it was the goth kids, the kids who would dress all in black and take sleeping pills at their desk and talk about how bleak life is and and it is hard to separate the movie mm. from those kind of people what why do roses have thorns really <laughs> <laughs> and like every that. cowboy sings a sad sad song <laughs> but so you weren't one of those kids no but, no but that was who you aspired to be i wanted to be interesting enough to be like that yeah but i wasn't <laughs> <laughs> you you were the kid who played the saxophone exactly <laughs> One of the things that this film's really missing, I feel. Is, bit of, is enough is, saxophone. Is enough saxophone. Because 
this is one of the all-time great film soundtracks. It uh, yes. is killer. I was going to bring that up. And not just the soundtrack, the score as well. The incidental score is great, but the soundtrack, I mean, you know I'm a giant Cure I was going to say, you've got the Cure writing a new song for it, for yes. God's sake. And when that song comes up while he's, you know, putting on the makeup for the first time and stuff, it's like, oh, fuck, this is great. Yes, it Such is. Such a good soundtrack. It is so, so good. If you were If you were in my group of friends and you didn't like the soundtrack, You'd have kept that to yourself. (laughs) You'd have got voted off the island if you spoke out against the soundtrack to The Crow. I will be listening to this soundtrack on repeat for the next couple of days, I suspect, because it is a bloody good soundtrack. You you touched on it before. It's impossible to watch the film separated from the Brandon Lee of it all. Yeah. Have you have you ever seen him in any other films? I believe that before this he was just in a few martial arts films. He hadn't done many. Yeah, only he'd done two or three. Yep. Uh, Are you a Bruce Lee fan? Yeah, I, I. Went through a, a kind of a high school period of staying up late to watch- Watching kung fu movies. On, on that channel that we had that, that showed <laughs> yeah. them. Yep, yeah. I, was into, I was into it. Yeah. and But so this- Because this is the only time I've ever seen Brandon Lee. I mean, what are your thoughts on his like really only known performance? It's not a complete performance. When, he, when he's good in it, he's bloody great. It's not consistent across the 90 odd minutes of the film. Yeah, I think he's really good. But for me, the two standout stars in this are Ernie Hudson as the police officer who is like he steals every scene he's in. And the little girl, Rochelle Davis, who plays Sarah, she was fantastic in this film. She had a good, um, good nineties undercut going oh, on as well. Super nineties, love she's it. Rolling around on that skateboard, I'm like, oh yeah, I remember those days. You know, what I love about one of the skate when she's about to cross the road and someone's like yelling out at her. Like, yeah, get off that thing, whatever. It's like, the city's on fire. Yeah. Everyone's getting murdered, but you've still found the time to, to get angry at a kid on a skateboard. skateboard. Yeah. Bravo, you. She was awesome. That was, you know, she didn't act for 15 years after this role because she was so devastated by what happened to Brandon Lee. Really? Yeah. So she's finally only resurfaced in the very late 2000s. Same haircut? <laughs> I think she kind of got into drugs and that kind of stuff. She was busted running a drug house with the Bloods and the Crips. Whoa. Yeah, no joke. And she was charged with, uh, you know, negligent parenting because her three-year-old was living in the drug house. Oh, so she was living the art of the film. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> One thing that distracts me a bit about about Lee's performance is that there are times, just the odd shot, where he really reminds me of Bruce Campbell. And so I'm looking at it, and this is like, you know, it's not that long after certainly Evil Dead 2. In fact, it would be about the era of Army of Darkness. Yeah, yeah. And there's the odd shot where I just like expect something funny to happen. <laughs> it's got a couple of funny lines. I love when uh, the big bad guy is doing his impression of the crow. Car, car, bang. Oh, fuck, I'm dead. <laughs> I have a note here about that. Yeah. It's like the bad guy's impressions are almost as good as Billy's. Hey, hey, come on. <laughs> it's cool that this movie, like, just straight from the beginning of the film, it just drops you straight into it. That's one of the things I love most about this movie. It's a nice, tight hour and a half before the credits start to roll. You're not, you're not bogged down with all this backstory about who these people were before it happened. You start with them being murdered, and any sense you get of who Eric or Shelley was, you get through- flashbacks yeah and i love that because you still you know that he was a decent dude you know? yeah you find out that he's a rock star with a heart of gold i really like that characterization and the development of that that it's not 
it's not bogged down with who these people were. It doesn't matter who they were. She's dead. He's the crow. Yeah. That's what's important. And you can't, you kind of do the, tra- I mean, we've seen uh, plenty of origin stories. This kind of does it, but it does it in like 60 seconds. Yes. And you don't feel like you're missing out on anything. You're no. Like, oh, yeah. Crow. Yep. Alive. Whatever. Not yep. really a crow. It's a raven. Yeah. Every every time you see the crow in the film, it's a raven because ravens are bigger and scarier and they're like, yeah, fuck it, let's use a raven. <laughs> That's what I, I do love then when he's quoting the raven later on yes. in this film. And I'm like, he knows it's a crow, right? Yep. <laughs> nice, subtle last name they use for him, isn't it? Draven. Draven. Eric DeRaven. Because <laughs> yeah. in the con- he doesn't have a last name, I don't think, in the, he does, in yeah. the source material. Oh, he does? He does, yeah. But it's Eric not Draven. Is it? It is. Okay. Well, I read something that lied. (laughs) And in fact, so the source material, though, much like I understand the film franchise goes on to be, you know- Shit. (laughs) Well, the the crow is obviously the crow and the hero of the story changes. Whoever the crow picks. Once the person has enacted their revenge, then the crow moves on to someone else. That's right. Their story's done, so- Yeah. And I actually really liked that about the film, that it's- it's contained you'd struggle to call it a superhero story because he's not really saving anyone apart from the it's little girl just a vengeance tale it's, yeah yeah it's a revenge story at its core but I, I think it's one of the best comic book adaptations certainly of the 90s geez brandon lee was jacked wasn't he that first scene where you see him without his shirt on it's like fuck i feel inadequate he's he's seen the inside of a gym that guy I mean, it doesn't take much to make me feel inadequate in the body department, but Jesus Christ, <laughs> made me want to die and come back to life if that's what I get to look like. Don't think that's what does it. Really? Yeah. So you don't think the crow would just give me mad abs? I don't think that's how it works. Oh, damn. <laughs> <laughs> I feel bad for him. You mentioned Michael uh, Wincott earlier, the baddie. He had this run of like three years where he's like, he's the bad guy in Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. Yeah. He's the bad guy in The Three Musketeers. Yeah. He's the bad guy in this because- Unfortunately, if you look and sound like Michael Wincott, you're the bad guy. I was going to say, maybe he should have got a haircut. <laughs> look at that long, greasy hair. Oh, I was going to say, I think it's actually quite luscious. Oh, no. There's a couple so- of shots where I'm like, man, you put a fan on him and you can sell some Pantene. <laughs> He's practically Fabio. <laughs> oh, I don't know, man. It's so long. And it, it, it's the way that it's, you know, like Brandon Lee has long hair. doesn't look as villainous when your hair is slicked back like that. You, you're a bad egg. <laughs> that guy, he's going to play a villain. <laughs> I do think in one of the flashbacks we get of of Eric and Stacey together- Shelly. Shelly, thank you. It's a wonder he hadn't already killed her. The amount of candles that were <laughs> lit and unsupervised in that loft they live in. Yeah. And the whole film kind of centres around arson well, as well. Yeah. <laughs> asking for trouble. Yeah. One of the reasons why this this film was so loved by a certain crowd in the 90s is that the style of the film, if, you, if you're into this particular style, is just awesome. Like, I, it is I think just it's, a brilliant-looking film. I was going to bring that up. I think it's shot beautifully. And I think this really sets the tone for so many, you know, comic book adaptations that came after it. The way that the whole tone of the film, you know, because the source material is black and white. And even though this film is in colour- there is so much blackness to it. And I was going to say it was no surprise to me when I found out that, that the director wanted to do it in black and white yeah. with the odd bit of colour in there. And when they said no, he basically did it anyway. He really the did. The film mostly lives in black, white and red. Yes. And the the lighting is so well done in the film. Like we spoke a couple of- I think it was when we talked about The Favourite. We spoke about kind of that sparse, realistic nighttime lighting- 
And this totally nails that, I think. A lot of use of kind of strobe lights and a lot of the film is literally pitch black and until a light just shines. And I think it looks beautiful. Like there's shots in it which are like they're trying very hard, but you know what? I'm into it. Like you think about the shot of him walking towards camera shot through the flame. Yeah. And it's like it's a really kind of film schooly thing to do, but fuck it. It looks cool. It just looks awesome. Yeah. And then things like the flashback segments being so oversaturated and like they're not sepia, but there's there's lots of warm tone to them and stuff. And that's just something that's been stolen so many times since this film. Like you think of a flashback, that's what you think of. And the look of Draven himself once he's once he's come back. Yeah. When just like any shot of him like squatting, sitting, anything, like it's just cool. Yeah. He wasn't he wasn't in love with the makeup when it had been applied. Yeah, right. And so he and the director decided that he would do the makeup himself. Apparently this is what I've read anyway. Can't back it up. He would do the makeup himself of an evening. Then right. he'd sleep in it so that it would get worn. Yeah, right. And turn up to set ready to shoot. Interesting. Which is one of a few things that watching the film really reminded me of Ledger's Joker. Oh, e- you can easily see it's where Ledger's inspiration for Joker came from. riddled with nods to this film, I think. Yes, the, the entire thing from the characterization and the writing, the makeup and the performance itself, you can see where it all stems from this film. I mean, even things like, you know, I think the set design and everything is so Gotham-esque. It's reminiscent of Burton's Batman, but I also think where you can see, you know, later comic book films that have that darker tone have have looked at this. Yeah, certainly with the with the climax of the film as well at the at the church. Yeah. Very reminiscent of the 89 Batman film. It's amazing how much this movie can feel like a a comic book film and yet at the same time feel like a hard R drama. When you when you look at it recent times where we haven't had an R comic book film for a very long time until recently with Logan and Deadpool. Deadpool is an R because it leans so much into the comedy aspect, really. It's that over-the-top It's a a language R. Yes, whereas to see a film like this that that is an R and a comic book, it'd be nice to see more films like this, I think. Mm. Which presumably we'll get with Spawn. Yeah, yeah, this film was very reminiscent of Spawn to me, and I would love to see Spawn done in this fashion. Mm. Um, Now, the film is- it's a long way from being without its faults. Like, some of the the lines in the script- are pretty horrible. I don't know, There's man. Some- I, maybe it's just because I'm so nostalgic for the 90s or because I love The Cure so much, but I had such a good time watching this movie. I really loved it way more than I thought I would. There's some conversations where I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> can, we, can we get back to just talking badassery to bad guys, please? <laughs> I don't know, man. I, I really loved a lot of the dialogue. I thought Draven's dialogue himself, he swings between being so poetic and being basically violent Spider-Man. Like, some of the quips and stuff he pulls out is when he's killing people. that gasoline I smell? Yeah. Like, that was amazing. Yeah, that whole scene is awesome. That that scene is awesome. I loved his his first murder as well of the guy in the alley. And then, like, I can't remember what the line is, but later on he, he says something and then you cut to the guy being pulled out of the alley just covered in knives, like yeah. knives from head to toe. I do love the reference to that later on in the film when- they mentioned that he had light knives stuck into his organs in alphabetical order. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I love that that occurred to someone to write. Yeah. But, yeah, some of the dialogue I actually find a bit, oh, 
Oh yeah. But then some of it. I mean, there's there's a few things about the film that I feel that I find uneven in the performances, the script, and everything. When it's great, it's great. Yeah, right. And there's times where I'm like, I'm still look, I'm still having fun on balance, but. Tell me what those are. See, because to me, I thought it was shot consistently, wonderfully the entire way through. I I was on board with most of the performances and most of the dialogue. Yeah, I just had a really good time. Not not a lot visually. I find the um the the ramming down your throat of how oh, just how in love they were and how great they looked after this yeah. street kid kind of thing. I'm like uh, yeah. I'm like oh, like okay, like whatever. I get that. And, yeah, other than that, it's kind of just some of the dialogue. I'm like, yeah, no. <laughs> is it because it's so 90s or is it just because it's bad? I think it's because it's bad. <laughs> I, have, I have no fault with something being 90s. <laughs> yeah. I mean, here we are in our flannel shirts. and. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So let's talk about the death of Brandon Lee. Do you know how it happened? Yes. Yeah, like you know the details of it? Yes. I, I didn't. I All I knew was that it was it was a faulty prop gun. And I assumed that it was a blank that killed him, which it indirectly it kind did. Of. Yeah, there was like still a bullet left in the chamber, and the arms master had gone for the day, and they yeah. were still shooting. And yeah, there was still something left. It's yeah, it's crazy to me. Yeah, that if you're going to be happen, if you're going to be firing guns on set, and there maybe, are a lot of gun firings, maybe make sure that the um the arms master. Is still there. I mean, there's probably over 200 times a gun is fired at Eric Draven in this movie. Yeah. Yeah, like when- Like, of course, they got sued by Lee's mother. And you're like, yeah, you don't have a leg to stand on. No, not at all. And in fact, the director was so devastated. He didn't want to finish the movie. And then it was um, Lee's fiance. So, I think she was just his wife who came and said, no, you know, he he was really proud of his work in this movie. And and I think you should finish it. It's- I mean, it's- there's nothing look there's nothing fortunate about it but that it happened in the shoot when it did and that they could actually well, that's still three com- days left still yeah, complete the project is and for its time the special effects work they do is amazing that's what i was just it gonna say the scenes where it's not him do not stick out i actually can't even tell i couldn't tell you which scenes were actually him and which weren't yeah there aren't many but there are scenes where it's it's a body double and they've put his, his face on there, yeah. which with early to mid-90s technology, you would imagine would stick out like dog's balls. That's what I was going to say. That's the that's the same fashion that they did it um, for Paul Walker in Furious 7. Yeah, but with 20 years practice. 20 years practice. And even then, there's probably at least one or two scenes where you can tell. Mm. Now, obviously, and it is helpful a lot to do more- it in the dark. Yes, yeah, and obviously there's a lot more shots in that film. I think there were about 350 shots of Paul Walker, and in this there's there's probably only a handful, but it was still very, very well done. I did read that because they had a cast of Lee's face, and so their, would have helped. their initial idea was that they would do a, you know, Tom Cruise and Mission Impossible thing. They'd put a mask on someone. Wow. Which apparently they tried, and everyone just found it so fucking creepy. That they were like, no, 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 get rid of this thing. Everyone's just freaking out. I can imagine that would be confronting too after working with this person and they've just died and there's someone wearing their face. And if they were still doing the amount of coke on set that apparently they'd been doing for the entire production, then it would be- Really? Oh, apparently it was rampant. (laughs) (laughs) Like um, I read one thing where someone once sneezed on set and Brandon Lee said, someone just lost 50 bucks. (laughs) (laughs) That oh, was the 90s. <laughs> yeah, <but laughs> yeah, it was a very smart decision to shoot it so much 
in darkness, not only because it leans into the source material and, and visually it's very nice, but yeah, in terms of hiding special effects, yeah. most of the effects in this film hold up amazingly well for a nearly 25-year-old film. Yeah, they do. Apparently, at one point, they were going to change from- I think they were moving the shoot indoors, essentially, to, to sets rather than locations. And the budget was so tight that they couldn't- even once they were indoors, they just had to keep shooting at nighttime because they couldn't afford the kind of 36-hour changeover yep. from going from nighttime hours to daytime hours because the budget was- I mean, it's not a tiny budget, but for- what you would expect a comic book film to have. Yes. It's tiny. Yeah. Because they'd spend it all on Coke. <laughs> yeah, that wasn't white makeup on Brandon Lee's face. No. Just- <laughs> He's just going like Scarface, Scarface style, style into a mountain. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, so, so you said that he didn't like the, way- the makeup. What are your thoughts on the makeup? Oh, it's cool. Yeah. Was was goth makeup big before this film? I know that, like, as a huge Cure fan, I know that Robert Smith often wore makeup, but I don't recall him doing the full white face thing, which is now very common. The timing would be interesting. Yeah, I'd be curious to know how much this influenced goth culture. Yeah. Because I know that it, like, goth exploded in the 90s and, and early 2000s. And I think a lot of that must be due to this movie. Mm, Marilyn Manson took a look at it and went, Yeah. There's my look. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting interesting choice to go with the makeup because in the source material, his face is so white because he's dead. Yeah, of course. And it's, it's interesting. I, that was the one scene I was like, when he popped out of the ground and he just looked so hot, <laughs> just these ripped abs and just, <laughs> you know, like I would have jumped on him there in the grave and just rolled around yeah. with him a bit. Hasn't seen sunlight in an hour, in an yeah. hour, a year. Yeah. yeah. Interesting choice to have him look so I, uh, the term is going to sound stupid, but undead. <laughs> Could have gone full rotting flesh style. Yeah. Because he would. Like, he'd be a zombie if you did it. If you wanted to, like, lean into the realism of it, he'd come out zombie-like. Yeah. Or skeleton-like. How long does it take for all your flesh to rot away? Oh. I mean, the worms are having at it. I was going to say, it's got to be less than a year, surely. You'd be a skeleton in less than a year. I have no idea. Well, neither. Well, famously, I know nothing. <laughs> I do have I'll a tell phone, you what though. does know the internet, and it's never wrong. How long does it take to become a skeleton boy? Not long in Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. <laughs> when buried six feet down without a coffin in ordinary soil, an unembalmed adult normally takes eight to 12 years to decompose to a skeleton. Wow. However, if placed in a coffin, the body can take many years longer depending on the type of wood used. For example, a solid oak coffin will highly slow down the process. So he'd be in pretty decent nick still. He would be in decent nick. Yeah. A, a one-year dead Brandon Lee would still be more attractive than us by some way. De- he'd probably still have more muscles easily. Oh, his definition would still be rocking. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Good realism. Yeah. <laughs> So I'm I'm really glad I watched this movie, and this is this is a movie that I'm going to tell you right now I'll rewatch. Yep. I could see myself watching this once a year. I just I thought it was really fucking good. That's cool. Yeah. What are you scoring it? I'm a I'm going seven out of ten. I'm going an eight. I really enjoy the film. I think it's unquestionably I feel that it is style over substance, but. The style's so fucking cool that I don't care. The style's so good. Like We haven't even spoken about the shots of the crow itself. I think they're beautiful. The close-ups of the crow, the shots of it flying. It Like, that's got to be- There's no way that's a real bird. I think- No, I think they had birds on set. Just, just real trained birds. Yeah. That's crazy cool. Miss, missing an eye, though, in the really? middle of its forehead. From most <laughs> of the ones I've seen on the telly. 
Because <laughs> you've been watching a lot of Game of Thrones throughout Raven. I get it. A lot. <laughs> Good joke, mate. <laughs> there you go. There's a freebie. <laughs> yeah, I, I was a fan. I'm going with an eight. Yeah, and cool. I'll watch it again for sure. Yeah. Thank you to our dear patron who told us to watch it. Yes. It was enjoyable. Thank you. We loved it. What are we getting to next week, buddy? Uh, we're in the sequel territory. Yes. It's Glass. Which I am so excited for. Long-time listeners might, might remember that Split was one of my top five films last year. And, man, I can't wait for this. I hope it's as good as either Split or Unbreakable because both are brilliant. I'm hoping. You've for, seen for, the trailer, for, haven't you? I've, I saw the teaser trailer. I haven't seen anything. I've managed to avoid everything since. Okay, because I haven't seen anything to do with it other than a poster. I'm hopeful, and for reasons that I can't put my finger on, not that confident. The kids, they call me Mr. Glass. <laughs> what, was it Michael Jackson who said that? <laughs> do you know that originally- the studio wanted a to do the film, uh, The Crow, that is, as a musical with Michael Jackson. That can't be real. And someone, like, laughed at them thinking it was a joke. That can't be real. Apparently that's real. Like, because of Thriller? Is I, that why? I guess. Wow. I guess. They got laughed at. That's messed up. Because the person <laughs> assumed they were joking. Well, they should have been laughed at. I, it was the correct response. <laughs> So in the meantime, if you want to get in touch with us, you can do that at wewatchtothink.com or wewatchtothink at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, all under the handle at wewatchthing. If you want to help support the show and tell us something that we have to watch, like our dear friend did this week, you can do that at patreon.com forward slash wewatchthing. And in the meantime, what should people do, Toph? Go watch a movie. Go watch a movie. I say that. You don't say that. <laughs> Anything else you want to take from me? No, look, I will tell people, though, if you really want to help support us, Tell three friends about the show, have them tell three friends, and then them tell three friends until we spread like a virus. It's not a scheme. It's shaped like a triangle, less than a pyramid, and it just really helps support us. Should they also rate the show, Billy? If you want to rate the show, that would be a great idea. Only if they're going to rate it well. Yeah, if you, if you want to give us five stars, go ahead, give us five stars. That's a great idea, Toph. Good thinking. Nailed it. Leave us a review as well, a positive one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> None of this normal- Internet stuff. Yeah, don't be mean to us. Not interesting. <laughs> Catches. <Gotcha. laughs>